Well, good evening and um, welcome back to our Bible study. And as you know, we're looking through the book of Job. And this evening, we're looking in Job chapter 40. Let's just read from verse 1 of that chapter. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man, I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God? And can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor, and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Shall we pray? Our Father, we just come to you now as we ask that you speak to us through these words, uh, just these few words that we read together this evening, and that we might understand them as we progress further into what you have to say to Job. So, our Father, we look to you for guidance. We look to you to draw close to us and help us to understand what it is you would have us understand. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Well, this passage here, God continues to speak to Job. And in the middle of what the Lord is saying to Job, he pauses to ask a question. Now, we saw this in verse 40, verse 1 and 2, the passage that we've just read. The Lord said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Now, we know that the Lord sees Job as being an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. He said that there is no one like him on earth. And this tells us that the Lord holds Job in high esteem. When the Lord says that Job is blameless, he doesn't mean that he's not a sinner, because he is a sinner. And in all that Job has said about himself, he never denies the fact that he is a sinner, but he knows that he is a forgiven sinner. And he knows that he has done nothing to deserve what has been happening to him. What he doesn't know is that his suffering is bringing glory to God. As the heavenly hosts are witnessing the power of the Lord over the schemes of Satan. I want you to get hold of that fact. That what's happening here is being witnessed by those in heaven. And they are seeing the Lord is more powerful than the schemes of Satan. The final defeat of Satan was when another, another who didn't deserve to suffer, suffered at the hands of those he had created. And that was also in the sight of the heavenly hosts, as well as being in the sight of those who were on earth. And this was to show them and us that the Lord has defeated evil and that God is sovereign. I was reminded of the words in a hymn, a hymn by Noel Richards. These are the words. You laid aside your majesty, gave up everything for me, suffered at the hands of those you had created. 
you took all my guilt and shame, and when you died and rose again, now today you reign in heaven and earth, exalted. I want you to think about the time when in Matthew 6 verse 16, when Jesus was asking his disciples, who did people say that he was? And then he said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who answered, and Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And further down in Matthew 16, we have these words from Jesus. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, the Messiah, the son of the living God, defeated Satan. I wonder how much we really understand about how deep this is. In 1 Peter 1 verse 10 to 12, we read these words, and I think it's good for us to think about them again. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. You see, in those few verses we're told that the prophets searched the scriptures. They searched them on our behalf. That includes you and me. And who are we? Well, we're sinners. What were the prophets looking for? They were looking for a saviour. Who was the saviour? They saw that he would be the one known as the Messiah. And how would he save us? Well, it would be by suffering. A suffering that would also bring glory. You see, those who looked into these things, they believed what they read. They believed what God was revealing to them. And they trusted God. But for the prophets, they couldn't see why the Messiah should suffer. And they didn't understand how suffering and glory could go together hand in hand. And here's the thing. And this is the thing I want us to take from that little passage that we read this this morning, uh, this evening. Neither could the heavenly hosts understand why the Messiah should have to suffer for the likes of you and I. Even angels long to look into these things. You know, Job might misunderstand God's plan. He wasn't alone in doing that. Job might lack knowledge. Job doesn't know why bad things are happening to him in his life. He accepts or he accuses God of being unfair. But he never curses God as Satan said that he would. And as Job listened to the words of God, he saw his own lack of understanding and he saw the majesty of God. 
When we looked in Job 40, verse 3 and 4 answers the question, how did Job answer the Lord? Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I have, I will say no more. You know, this is after the Lord has shown Job that there are many things about God and many things about the order of his creation that Job does not understand. And the things that only the Sovereign Lord knows. And although Job does not understand the reasons, he sees that there is a purpose and that God is in control. He's seen that God is in control of creation. God has spoken about the sea and the sky and the weather, the stars and the animals, both the wild and domesticated, the power of the horse. He sees that it has a purpose behind it as does the apparent foolishness of the ostrich. Now, Job doesn't fully understand these earthly things. So how can he expect to understand the heavenly things? The Lord will continue to speak to Job. And this time he's going to speak to him about justice and about evil and about an apparently unbeatable adversary. And the Lord will resume this conversation with almost the same words that he used when he first began to speak to Job. That was in Job chapter 38, verse 1 through to 3. I want you to listen to these and then see if you can spot the difference about the words that God spoke in chapter 40. So 38, verse 1 to 3. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. So the passage we're looking at tonight, Job 40, verse 6 and 7, in the middle of the conversation that, that God is having with Job, you could say it's the start of his second speech. And we read this in verse 6 and 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Do you notice this time it's with the exception of the words, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? You see, Job has been questioning God's plan, questioning his organization of creation. And many do that today. And it's as if Job and people today are saying to God, if I was God, I would have done things better. And now the Lord will move on in the second part of his conversation to deeper things. He's going to speak about justice. He's going to speak about evil. And this time the Lord deals with Job. Job who has been questioning his justice. Verse 8 through to 14 is a challenge to Job. And we see that the purpose of this challenge when God says in verse 8 would you discredit my justice would you condemn me to justify yourself so God is saying Job do you think that you can administer justice better than I can then he goes on in verse 9 do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his in other words Job do you have the wherewithal to carry it out? 
Verse 10. Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. So God is saying to him here, look, Job, why don't you put on all the qualities that I have and see if they will fit you? Surely you will then look the part. Then verse 11. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. In other words, Job, do you have the power to carry it out? Verse 12. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. God is saying, Job, can you humble the proud and crush the wicked? Can you announce sentence on them? Verse 13. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Job, can you carry it out? Can you carry it out to the end? And can you do it right? Verse 14. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. What God is saying here, just turning that round a little bit, he's saying to Job, if you can't, then you can't expect to be telling me how I should do it. You know, I was thinking about this, it's a little bit like criticising the skill of the surgeon, who, in order to make his point, invites you to put on the surgical gown, put on the mask and the cap, put on the gloves, and then he asks the question as he passes you the scalpel. Do you think that you can do it better than I can? Hmm. Do you remember what Job said about God's justice? This was back in Job 24, verse 1. Job said, Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? You know, this kind of thinking coming from Job comes from man's wisdom. Man can question, but he can't cure. But God's wisdom can. I want to just share a couple of verses from Proverbs, Proverbs 12, uh, Proverbs 8, verse 12 through to 14. Listen to these words. I wisdom dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. The wisdom of a just God is beyond our understanding. But we know enough to understand that we can trust in the wisdom of God. I, I want us, like Job, to try to see the depth of God's justice. I see the reason why we can't fully understand it. And to know that despite our lack of knowledge, we can trust in it. I want us to turn for a few moments to Romans chapter 9 as we consider one or two things that I feel are relevant to Job and this situation as Paul is speaking to those who are questioning the justice of God. You find this in Romans chapter 9, it's 14 through to 21 and we're going to look at it just very briefly. But notice the wording. Verse 14. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It doesn't therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. The scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power if you and in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purpose and some for common use? You see, just in those few words, I know there's a lot more in there than we have time to look at tonight, but Job is having to accept the truth. And it's the truth that we have to accept. That Job is Job, a man, and that God is God. So let's just think about justice. See, one definition of justice is fairness in the way people are dealt with. Now, this is social justice. This is what we live by. But God's justice extends beyond that. And the truth of this is revealed to us in Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Job doesn't know it. But this battle that he is in is with the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, Job doesn't need an explanation in order to understand why he's suffering. But what he does need is to know how powerful the enemy is. In Job 40, verse 15 through to 41, we have, and then going through it, it well, verse, and chapter 40, from verse 15 into chapter 41, down to verse 34. We have in a, a very graphic way and by using references to the Behemoth and the Leviathan, the Lord will show how fearful and powerful evil is and that Job cannot defeat this enemy alone. Job will also learn that where there's no apparent hope, that hope will come and it will come from the one who is more powerful, the one who has this fearful enemy, as it were, on a leash, an enemy who will be finally defeated. And we've already seen this when we go back to the first two chapters of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 12, when things started in heaven, and the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is, your, is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. You see, God had the power to limit Satan. 
And then when it came to what we might call round two in chapter two, verse six, the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. You see, God is still in control. He still has the power. And we need to learn the same lesson that Job is learning. And we need to know this. And we have uh, the New Testament where in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter says to us, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And Ephesians 6, verse 11, we have this advice put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then one from James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, God is more powerful. And Job needs to know that the Lord is more powerful. And to do this, the Lord will introduce him to the fearful darkness so that he can see the brightness of the light that will overpower it. And you know, this should give us a greater insight into the importance of the words of Jesus when he said in John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the powerful light that will overpower the darkest darkness that there is, a darkness that we can't fully understand but that God knows about and that God is in control of. And for us, the battle continues, but the victory has been won. I want to finish this evening with just these few words. One from Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we're told the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, these are deep and maybe disturbing words, but we need to know the reality of this, just like Job did. And we're going to see more of it as we go through in these next two chapters. But this is just a lead into that to help us understand why. God is saying these things to Job so that Job might understand and so that he might see the awesomeness of God and the power of God and know that he, Job, like us, is on the winning side. Let's just pray. Our Father, to be drawn towards the close of this book of Job, we know it is a difficult book to take in. But, our oh Father, we pray that through this time that we've spent together around it, and in particular this evening, you will just help us to understand, not, not to know the wise or the wherefores, that is not our place, but to know who you are, to know who the enemy is, but to know that the enemy is defeated. And, our oh Father, we just ask that you will encourage us as we consider these things in your presence. We pray for this evening that you will go with us and be with us through this evening and bring us into tomorrow that we might enjoy the day that you have given, that we might be prepared to face whatever it is there is ahead of us and that we might face it in the knowledge that you are with us. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.